I'm glad that I could spend the rest of my life thanking you, and so I don't feel pressure. I mean, I relieved my pressure last night by reminding myself, look, I can write these guys emails until I'm dead. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. So um, I have 20 things I'm thankful for, and, and you'll be forgiving because love covers a multitude of sins as it has for 33 years, and uh, let us go another 10 minutes or so. Um, I don't have to do it all today, which would be impossible, and I'm relieved. So let me do these these 20. Um, Let's say the first thing is that these things that have been said are especially significant right now because they're all so true of Jason, which should give us just a great sense of continuity and hope and joy and John who? (laughs) I love it. It's the best story I've heard yet. Number one, thank you for letting Noel be Noel. and supporting her as she has supported me. There never have been any pressures or expectations that seemed oppressive or forced. That was true from day one, that uh, Noel had never been a, a pastor's wife and did not want to be a pastor's wife when she married me, had no plan in being a pastor's wife, and therefore when a man gets called somewhere, God has to do a work to call a woman as well, and he did, and you made that really easy for her, for which I've always been thankful. Number two, thank you for several thousand worship services where I have met Christ in healing and soul-satisfying ways. I'm talking about Sunday morning services mainly. I thank many of you for worshiping at my side. There are few things more precious to me than the camaraderie of worship. When brothers stand beside each other and lift their voices in great truth to their common King and Savior. Remember the first time, Ken, I saw you do this. I've never seen anybody do it before. (laughs) I thought, what are you doing? You got heartburn? And... (laughs) He's not got heartburn. He just needs to, he needs to say a little more with his hand about what's going on in here. I remember, this is years ago, the first time Tom ever did this in a worship service. I said, two-hander. Tom's a two-hander. <laughs> and and, and uh, it, it, has, it has functioned down the row, down the row on Sunday morning or Saturday night, down the row as comrades... I can't see anybody else. I can only see these, and every now and then there's a choir. But I'm catching their eyes as to when their hearts and voices and hands are being engaged. And it has called me back from silly distractions more times than you know. This is one of the functions of corporate worship. If you see another person truly engaged, it says, whoop, I'm just not engaged because I'm thinking about their engagement, you know, and, and that gets you back on track. And so it's just so 
glorious. God has done more in my life in corporate worship than I can begin to estimate. And I mean me for fathering and, and husbanding and evangelism and missions and everything else connecting with you in worship. So Chuck and Dan and Jason and, and those, you've really powerfully ministered to me. Number three, thank you for not stealing from the church or not committing adultery or abusing your wives or plagiarizing or in any other way bringing reproach on the name of our Savior. So you, you think you've benefited from my not stumbling into anything. I'll tell you, it'd be easier for 30 others to do it than for me because there's just 30 of you, you know, and none of you, none of you has ever brought reproach upon this church or undermined my calling or each other's. Number four, thank you for a stream of affectionate notes. It is a wonderful thing to be appreciated. It is more wonderful to be loved. Love one another with brotherly affection, the Bible says. Romans 12, 10. Love one another. So I'm I'm going to say it not to you in my absence. Love one another with brotherly affection. And there are all kinds of loves. Enemy love is not brotherly affection. And you should love your enemies. And, and loving people you don't like in the church is a good thing. But the best thing among saints is when they look into each other's and feel deep affection for each other. And that's where we all want to go. It's where we want to be. It's hard when it's not happening. And that's what you've given to me. So many of you, steady stream of these kinds of things. Number five, thank you for enduring my flaws and putting the best face on my overstatements, which have been eternally, infinitely many. <laughs> I'm sure I have sinned with my mouth, but love covers a multitude of sins. I have flourished here because you let me be spontaneous rather than having to walk on eggshells. Um, it's a sad thing to only operate in places where you must be careful. And I, I just decided I'm not going to be careful. And, and you, therefore, have had to be forgiving. And that's been a sweet thing for me. I've apologized enough uh, to let you know I'm not unaware of my stupidity at times, but in general, you've just let it go. And especially the pastoral staff I'm thinking about, where you've just let it go and say, what's well, just the way John says things, you know? And that's made me able to relax. And uh, if I have blown it more often than I know I've blown it, which I'm sure I have. Thank you for your forgiveness. Number six, thank you for being graciously and intelligently leadable. There is no unified thrust for growth into the future, and we've had many, without leadership and leadable co-leaders. I'm not unaware of the dangers here, and I don't claim to have been perfect. But I want you, and I'm thinking now mainly of the pastoral staff, 
I want you to know I have never viewed you as yes men or cowed, but as biblically and critically leadable leaders. And I think history will prove that. Um, leaders walk a fine line between coercion and um, ineffective leadership. And I've tried to walk that line, and you have made that doable because you have been leadable. Number seven, thank you for loving the truths, the realities of the Bethlehem Affirmation of Faith. This has been the bedrock of our unity and mission, and you have not only affirmed it, but enjoyed it. This has been one of the deep roots of our affection. This is part of what I preached on a couple, several weeks ago. Second John 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. That's a very truth-laden love. To the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth because of the truth that abides in us. So your hearty affirmation of 12 pages of solid biblical truth is no small ground of our deep affection. The world doesn't know much about that kind of affection. Number eight, thank you for praying the scriptures earnestly with me and for a thousand times. I have loved praying together as a staff Hearing another person speak with affection to my Savior is deeply endearing. I don't know that there's anything except maybe that corporate worship togetherness that is more endearing than to bow together before the same Lord and to hear one another pour out a heart of affection for God. How kindling it is to hear a brother love God out loud in your presence. So uh, thank you for being a praying and a Bible-saturated praying staff in my, in my presence. Number nine, thank you for singing with passion at every pastor's prayer and planning. How rare this is in the world. Most of the world sings in groups only when they've had too much to drink. <laughs> but we have not been drunk with wine, but have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I took clandestine videos of some of our circles praying. I have one at home. I thought, well, nothing to do with it here. I don't have time. But there you all are singing, and I'm, I'm going like this with my phone. <laughs> I don't ever, ever want to forget this. <laughs> Thank you for embodying the spirit, number 10, of sorrowful yet always rejoicing, gravity and gladness. You have given thousands of sweet, well-timed, heartfelt, Bible-saturated, creative, humble words of welcome, 
I'm thinking in church leadership, welcome and hope and sympathy and challenge in public settings where I have never needed to be afraid you would make Christ look silly. That's really amazing because I go to a lot of places where Christ is made to look and sound silly. It's never happened here. It's never happened. I've never crossed my fingers and go, what's Tom Stella going to say in welcoming the people to worship? It's going to be stupid. It's gonna make, he's going to try to sound like a talk show host or something. And I'm just always relaxed. Because God's done something among us. We've tasted something together. We're not ever going to go there. It's just too precious what we've tasted. A baby died last week. A daughter died in childbirth. John Swanson will be buried today. Eileen Anderson was buried yesterday. This is all around us. We're not going to play here. So thank you for letting me relax at that level as well. In other words, it's been an easy place to be, to be at home. Uh, Number 11, thank you for being risk takers. You have been ready to try dozens of new ventures in ministry and outreach. Praise marches, parking lot services, praise in the parks, baseball evangelism at the Dome. This is way before most of your time. Carl Schmulen redesigning Quest for Joy to hand out at the Dome after a Twins game precisely designed for baseball and us getting up after church and walking over with our hands full of tracks and just walking up to people and talking about Jesus Things like that. Or the time when the staff decided, this is probably 85, 84, there's a teeny body of three or four people on the staff. We decided instead of eating our lunches, just get up and go knock on doors and come back and tell what happened. (laughs) We did that for I don't know how many months, Tom, that uh, we we were just, we got to know this neighborhood. We need to be knocking on doors. So those and ministry fairs and three Sunday morning services in 1985, unheard of at this old church. How can anybody get up that early on Sunday morning? And Saturday night services in 1986, it failed. We we tried and it failed. Never had more than 80 people. And we tried again north and it didn't fail, but we decided, okay, that's a lot of energy. Let's pour it into Sunday morning. And then campuses. And we were always thinking, what can we do next? What can we do next that's going to do something fresh for God's glory in the city? So thank you for being risk takers. You've been ready to risk. Fear not. You can only be killed. That was our little mantra for a while in the late 80s. Fear not. It's a paraphrase of Jesus. Don't, don't fear those who kill the body. Fear him who killed body and soul in hell. Fear not. You can only die. So let's go. <laughs> Number 12, thank you for being world Christians, for carrying the nations on your heart, for making Bethlehem at every corner, in every corner, a great commission church. And thank you for loving the ethnic diversity at home implied in the blood work of Jesus to purchase people from every race and ethnicity. Number 13, thank you for filling in a hundred places where I might have been if I had not been at Passion or Together for the Gospel or T for G or on writing leave. If I have been able to do anything for the cause of God's sovereign grace beyond Bethlehem, it is owing to your support and stepping in for me hundreds and hundreds of times. Thank you for believing in me enough 
to do that without murmuring for so many years. Now, do not take that for granted. Number 14, thank you for doing your jobs. And this would apply to everybody in the room. With passion and love and excellence and seeing that this flock is cared for, the babies, Joyce, and the children, David and Sally, and the young adults, Kempton and the others, and the singles, and the married, and the old people, and the sick people, and the wandering people, and the depressed people, and the weak people, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You have shepherded this flock. Thank you. Number 15. Thank you for being a cheerful, efficient, theologically robust, unified support staff. The human organism on that fourth floor is the indispensable inner life of the ministry to thousands of people. It's been good to be together all the years, Joby. And they'll be hauling me around on Easter Sunday again so I can get to all the three services. It'd be great. That's a Joby and John treat I get. 16. Uh, Thank you for meeting all our needs financially and providing health insurance so that when I had cancer surgery, I didn't feel it financially at all. I heard, I, I think I thought of that because yesterday at Eileen Anderson's funeral, Jeff Anderson was the president of Desiring God for a while. He's a pastor at uh, Egan, where we're going to be on the 14th, Eden Prairie. Eden Prairie. Uh, he's the missions pastor. He stood up to thank these 300 people who were at the funeral, and, and he turned to his staff and he said, my wife's had cancer for four years. She's had over 100 chemos. Thank you for paying for our insurance. Just kidding. I mean, this is what insurance is. Insurance is a community agreeing together to, to bear extraordinary burdens so one person doesn't have to bear them. That's what insurance is. And uh, that you have, have, I don't know, 80%, John, or whatever, whatever you fork out um, is just uh, phenomenal. We've never, we've never, you've not muzzled the ox treading out the grain here. And I thank you for meeting all of our needs and paying into the BGC uh, retirement fund so that, sorry about that, so that uh, when I decide to go on that, it'll, it'll be enough. Social Security and, and the BGC, when you put the two together, I said, I don't need that much money. So I'll be able to give and I'll be paid by DG for another two years and then we'll probably tap into all that stuff if we're still alive. 17, thank you for caring for my children. When they were little, you loved them and played with them. And when they were older, you took them under your wings. Um, Dan Lane, when he was a kid, cared for my kid at the international house that Dan owned, dreaming one of those crazy dreams on the university campus that only he will remember. And... Brad and Goodnight, so many others have invested in my boys and now in Talitha, 
Kimpton and the rest. Um, and when they were wandering, you wept with me. We've cried a lot as a staff. I'm glad we cry easy. And I'm glad it's okay. There are a lot of things worth crying about. Um, if they, if my, if my sons see any stumbling blocks in the church to their faith, it will not be your fault. Number 18. Thank you for pursuing so aggressively the peace-making efforts of these last days. Uh, this is pleasing to the Lord. It's, a, it's, kind of, it's an effort. It's hard work that's going on in these days. And I am thankful for your leadership, Jason, and the others uh, to make every effort to work through the present relational difficulties. This is hard, and I'm thankful for every effort being expended. Number 19. Thank you that you have loved the Bible and lived in the Bible and meditated on the Bible and memorized the Bible and spoken the Bible and lived under the absolute authority of the Bible in your life. I cannot overstate the importance of our living under the complete truth and relevance and authority of the Bible. Thank you. And I feel it especially strongly because it seems to me that the marriage issue today, the homosexual issue today, is one of the most recent and clear and powerful evidences of how loosely some people have been holding to the Bible. It's a litmus test these days. Who will decide it's just not worth it to be biblical? I heard in your sermon, I was listening to it last night from two weeks ago, Jason, you're saying a similar, a similar thing. And may, may we be a people in the future who are have steel in our, in our backbones and, and tenderness in our hands and, and the world not be able quite to explain a community like this who don't waver one millimeter in how we understand the nature of Christian marriage, the nature of human marriage, and yet are able to get our arms around sinners and <clears throat> love. Number 19. No, that's 19. Number 20. And finally, thank you for being a God-centered Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated staff who has lived out the eternal, uh, the central truth of Christian hedonism that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So, God has been good to us and now turn with all your might to the thrilling days to come. There is no church I would rather be a part of for the next 10 years than this one, which is why I will be back.